0: Well, it's a joy to be together again with you uh, today. Uh, Glad that Paolo and Lisa can get out to uh, share with uh, Tyler and see that new uh, grandson? Grandson it was, right. I saw a picture. Paolo was proud enough to send me a picture online, so uh, we're glad to be here this morning. I want you to take your Bibles. We're going to read the entire text in a, a little bit. Uh, But if you have your Bibles with you or your devices, I encourage you to open them or turn them on to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the communion passage. Uh, I felt led to uh, just share over this communion passage uh, today with us where it's Communion Sunday and just refresh our minds and our hearts in what uh, God is leading us to in this very important passage of scripture. On a day like today, as even and I traveled up to, uh, to Hope from Blairstown, New Jersey, 60 degrees outside, the sun is there, I took my coat off when I wore, walked into Hope Church. Uh, I'm thinking of summertime. I'm thinking summertime. I don't know about you, but down in Blairstown, we've got the crocuses coming up and the things popping out of the ground already. I know you're a little further north, but uh, uh, we're just enjoying those aspects. But I, I think of summer. And as I think of summer, I think of my childhood summers. Uh, My summers when I would spend all of my summer at Camp Brookwoods in New Hampshire, uh, a Christian boys camp there. And every summer it was the same routine for me. We'd truck off as soon as school was done and we'd go up to New Hampshire. My dad was a uh, school teacher, so had the summer to work at the camp. And uh, we would truck up and spend all eight weeks of the summer in New Hampshire at a summer camp. And before every breakfast and every supper, uh, there was an inspection. I don't know if you get inspected before your meals, but up there with the boys, it was a boys camp at that time, only a boys camp, uh, we'd be out playing all day or we weren't the most uh, uh, cleanly guys, I guess. And so there would always be this inspection to make sure that we were well prepared for our meals at precisely 7.45 a.m. in the morning. We as a whole cabin would go to the baseball field where we would line up either on the first baseline or the third baseline. And we'd line up, there'd be some announcements, other stuff. I think we might've done the pledge to the flag. But then each counselor of the cabin would walk down the line or the row of his campers and would ask them to, put out your hands. And then they would walk down that line and they would look at your hands and then they would say, over, boom. And they would be doing that inspection. And I can still remember the horror of holding my hands out and having that counselor walk down the line and fearing that they might say, or that counselor might say, your hands aren't clean enough. Go back to the cabin and wash your hands before you'll be allowed into the dining hall. Now, I must admit that I was glad that for the last five years as I I was at that summer camp, I was a counselor, and I was the one then who was doing the inspection. Now, I don't know what the requirements are in your family or were in your family for getting ready for supper, what those requirements were in your home. Uh, Perhaps it was, did you wash your hands. Turn off your electronic devices. It's mealtime. Perhaps, oh, look at your shirt. That's a dirty shirt. Change your shirt or perhaps put on a shirt before you come to supper. Or perhaps it's, wait, we need to pray first. What do we need to do to get ready for the supper? Uh, This supper that is spoken of in Scripture, and I loved the video earlier on, and thank you uh, for the uh, uh, song that was sung that's preparing our hearts to prepare to share the supper of the Lord together. Well, in the passage that Paul is writing to those who were part of the Corinthian church, we read about this supper. And I want you to read it with me and look along as I read it. I'm reading out of the NIV. Uh, translation of the scriptures, beginning in verse 17. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. No doubt there have, been, there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. As a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. So then, my brothers, my sisters, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further instructions. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Four times in this text, did you recognize it or realize it? But four times in this text, we've read the phrase, when you come together. The focus here is definitely upon the gathering of our our community of faith to experience the power and the presence of God, especially in the sharing of the Lord's table. In verse two of chapter 11, which we didn't read, uh, Paul has much to praise the church for. Now I want, to, uh, he says, I praise you for remembering me and everything and for holding to the teachings just as I pass them on to you. The Corinthian church, there was wonderful stuff going on here. Uh, there was wonderful spiritual resources they had. They were gifted. They were knowledgeable. Uh, they were spiritually smart. And at Hope Church, there is much here that we have to praise the Lord for as well. But do you notice the change when we came to verse 17, where we picked up the reading? Because there, Paul says, there is something that is not worthy of praise. In the following directives, I have no praise for you. The Corinthians had all these wonderful gifts. They had all this knowledge, but they kept disagreeing. With each other. They were struggling with some problems within their church, division, selfishness, insincerity. And God had given this meal and has given this meal to us so that we can demonstrate and reflect unity, selfless sacrifice, authenticity with our Lord. And it's that lack of relational unity and maturity that comes out as the Corinthians came to gather together to celebrate. The Lord's table. So, in this passage, I would like this morning to share with you three cautions and then three attitudes that we are to have as we approach the Lord's table. Uh, cautions that we need to observe, and here they are, three of them. They're all out of the text. Verse 17 is the first caution. Uh, in the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. Caution, you're coming together, but your meetings are doing more harm than good. They're not, meetings were not for the better, but for the worse. Now we need to set this into some context so we understand what Paul is saying here. In the Corinthian church, they would gather for what were called love feasts. Uh, These were common suppers that preceded the Lord's table and those who could would bring food to these common uh, suppers. Uh, They would bring beverage and they would bring their supplies while the poor who were unable to bring much food would come and look forward to being fed in this common meal. But it didn't work out that way. Uh, For the wealthy would eat the best and drink the most while the poor in the Corinthian church were often not able to get enough food to satisfy their hunger. After this meal, the believers would then join together to share the table of the Lord. And it's into this context that Paul states in verse 17, your meetings do more harm than good. Now, I go, wow! Can you imagine hearing that from our Lord? Can you imagine the Lord saying to us gathered this morning, folks, your gathering this morning is doing more harm to you then good. The people were gathering for worship, for celebrating the Lord's table together, and yet Paul had the nerve to say to them, why don't you just stay at home? Now they didn't have the online presence at that time either. It was just stay at home because all your Christian busyness and efforts, they're just doing damage to the cause of Christ. I look at this verse And that word harm, at least in the NIV, uh, they do more harm than good. It's a very strong word. It means that their meetings were penetrated by attitudes that were wrong, that were evil. Instead of sharing together in fellowship and worship, they were spending their time in selfish indulgence, shaming and blaming others and scandalizing the church before an unbelieving world around them. In Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 and 9, it was Jesus who said of certain religious people of his day, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You see, God just doesn't want our activities. He doesn't just want us to eat and to drink the Lord's table together this morning. He wants our hearts And this morning, as we come to the Lord's table, we need to pause and we need to ask ourselves, uh, does this describe me? In what sense has my heart grown cold and distant from God? In one sense, am I not concerned with the things that God is concerned with? That's the first caution. But then I notice in verse 18 a second caution for in verse 18 it says when you come together as a church there are divisions among you. There are divisions among you. Now these divisions were not merely disruptive. They were destructive to the fellowship of the body. As the church would meet There was dissension, they couldn't agree on anything and this led to behavior and attitudes that obscured the divine purpose of the table and destroyed the very meaning of the table. They had the ceremony, they had the plates and the cups out but they didn't have reality. This is my body, this is my blood, it makes a difference in our lives and how we relate to each other. They had the form but they didn't have the substance. Now, Paul is quick here to point out that discussions over differences are not necessarily wrong, and they can be very healthy. But here, the divisions did not simply lead to discussions. They led to separation of brother and sister from each other, and that is absolutely wrong. Now, Paul is quick to point out here Uh, that uh, these things are happening, and you might protest. Well, look, I still have my personal relationship with God. Why should this affect how I worship and celebrate the table? Well, In verse 20, Paul clearly states that this does matter. For there in verse 20, he states this, When you come together, it is not the Lord's supper that you eat. Notice that Paul says, this is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. You are not spiritually mature. You are emotionally and relationally stuck, and that needs to change. The third thing comes out of verse 21, the third caution here. Uh, So the first caution is that as you come, you're... uh, not even giving attention to what the purpose of this meeting is. It's doing more harm than good because you're not looking at your own life. Secondly, the caution is that there are divisions among you. You need to examine that and think through that. And then notice in verse 21, it states this It says, uh, for as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. They were selfish. Me first. Uh, These Corinthians thought only of themselves. Uh, They forgot as they came to those love feasts and and to the Lord's table, they forgot about brotherly and sisterly love, and at a time when they were coming together to celebrate unity that they had in Jesus Christ, they were utterly selfish, and it didn't bother them. Uh, The Greek words here for each of you emphasizes the individualistic nature of their meal in the Lord's table. But we protest, well, look, that's never going to happen to us here at Hope Church. That's never going to happen to me. And yet, every time we come to the Lord's table and, we are, not, and we, are looking not, we are looking out only for our own interests first, what I get out of this, and foremost, I've done this very thing. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, Paul says in Philippians, but also to the interests of others. Do I focus solely on me when I pray? Uh, do I pray, Lord, bless those that are hurting in our fellowship? Bless those others there. Now, Paul needs to state this again. This is such an issue. Look at verse 33. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. There's that thought again. You're being selfish. You're not even waiting for each other. Uh, it literally means to welcome one another or to receive one another or to make room for one another. You're not even concerned with other people, only yourselves. Those are the three cautions that Paul gives here. And there are a number of dangerous folks that we face as we come to the Lord's Supper, the Lord's table this morning. We can participate in the Lord's Supper ritualistically. Well, it's something we do at Hope Church the first Sunday of every month without really participating in it with our hearts and our minds engaged in remembering. We can go through the motions with very little emotion about our relationship with our Lord Jesus. We can treat it lightly Rather than taking it seriously, oh, it's something we just add on to the service, adds a little more time, we get out a little later, that's okay, we can handle that. We can come with bitterness of spirit towards another believer, brother or sister, rather than contrition of heart. And so we need to look and examine ourselves this morning. These are the cautions. But look at the attitudes that Paul speaks of and I, I share with you this morning. Uh, three attitudes that I see, not just in this text, but in a little uh, bit of chapter 10 as well. Uh, We're told to examine our lives. Now this examination I believe that Paul talks about is not to be undertaken so as to discover what's not really there, like, oh, I guess I better give time to think through all sorts of stuff in my life. Lord, I'm not sure what's there. Uh, Paul is not laying a guilt trip on the Corinthians. The examination Paul is asking for is for the purpose of saying, Lord, if you've been speaking to me about something, I want to hear it, and I need to hear it, and my heart is open, and Lord, uh, uh, what is in me, what is it in me that you need to address this morning as I come to the Lord's table? It's God's examination of us. It's our agreeing with him, and it's our thinking through and saying, Lord, here I am. Speak to me, Lord. And as you speak, might my, heart, might my heart be open to what you have to say and agree with you in that. Now, there's several areas here that Paul recommends that we examine. And in verse 21 of chapter 10, look back there with me because the Lord's table is addressed there as well. But verse 21 of chapter 10 is the first part of the examination. For there it says, you cannot drink, and this is the idol feasts and the Lord's Supper that Paul is speaking to. And he says in verse 21, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve two masters. So Paul is asking them and asks us this morning to examine our double-mindedness. It's not possible for people to be participants in the Lord's table and in idle feasts at that time. The Lord's table reminds us that the Lord is the host of this sacrament. But when we participate at the table of devils, that indicates that there are other hosts. And so... If you accept the invitation of the Lord this morning to share the Lord's table, you cannot in good conscience also accept the invitation of the devil to live any way that you want. And so we need to ask ourselves the following questions as we come to the Lord's table this morning. Is there a dual loyalty in my life today? Am I trying to be committed to righteousness and unrighteousness at the same time? Am I trying to live with one foot in the world and one foot with the Lord? Holy communion is a feeding at the table of the Lord. It is a time to enjoy the intimate and singular fellowship that you and I have with God through Jesus Christ. Am I double-minded in any way? Notice verse 23 of chapter 11. We need to examine our betrayal. I love verse 23, For I received from the Lord that what what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed. The word betrayal is very prominent in this text. Uh, It's referring back, obviously, to John chapter 13, verse 25, after Jesus had just announced that there was one seated at that last supper uh, before he was to die who would betray him. And I find the the reaction of the disciples in that text, all of them, to be very revealing. Uh, This was a frightening moment for the 12 of them. There were only 12 possibilities when Jesus said, there's one around this table who will betray me. And as Jesus gives the announcement that one would betray him, it evokes stunned silence Uh, They were all examining themselves. And and I love Peter. Don't you love Peter? Because eventually Peter asks the question that everybody is thinking. And he doesn't ask it to Jesus. He nudges John. And he says to John, John, you asked Jesus. And John asks Jesus, Lord, is it I? The Lord's table should move you and me to examine that very same question. Lord, is it I? Am I in any way betraying you to those around me? Have I accepted some payoff from the world to abandon my loyalty to Christ? Have I been willing to compromise what God wants for me and to get what I want for myself? Do I practice what I profess? Do I live what I believe? Or do I betray you, Lord, by n- denying you are the Lord of my life, by the living, the way I'm living? I want, and I don't want to dishonor your name, Lord, that I bear. We must examine our betrayal. But then I notice in verse 29 of chapter 11, we need to examine our commitment to Christ's body. Notice there it says, A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of this cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. When I see those words, the body of the Lord there, I certainly am thinking of Christ's body sacrificed on the cross for us. But I also see in those words the the body of Christ, the suggestion that that body that hung on the cross Uh, That body of Jesus Christ today is his church. And I'm to examine my part in this. And if if in my life I am sinning against the body of Christ, I'm grieving the Lord, it's a wonderful thing to be a member of this body. It's a wonderful thing to know Jesus and to be a member of the body of Christ. But we need to rightly judge how we relate to each other. I believe this probably refers to the corporate body of Christ as well as the body of Christ on the cross. And therefore, we need to think through how do we relate to those we sit with? How do we relate to those who are in the body of Christ? Have I been lacking in my love for fellow believers? So as we come to prepare and take the Lord's table, Paul is not putting up a barrier around the Lord's table to keep us from it somehow, but he is giving us a warning that would drive us to the Lord in confession and repentance so that we come to the table of the Lord prepared in our hearts. Prepared in our hearts. What God is looking for, folks, in you and me is a brokenhearted awareness of our sin, And the Lord's table to me and to us ought to be a continuing reminder that there is forgiveness for the sinner who comes to Jesus and that there is strength for the person who is struggling with weariness and a sense of their own weakness, and we come with that in mind. The warning in this passage is against insensitivity to God's presence. It's a warning against being unloving toward our brothers and sisters, And it's a warning against being ungrateful for Christ's sacrifice on the cross for our behalf. So as we come, might we come as the old hymn tune states it this way. Come ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus ready stands to save you full of pity, love and power. Come, you thirsty, come and welcome. God's free bounty glorify. True belief and true repentance. Every grace that brings you nigh. Come, you weary and heavy laden. Lost and ruined by the fall. And if you tarry until you're better, you will never come at all. And I will arise and I will go to Jesus. And he will embrace me in his arms. And in the arms of my dear savior oh there are 10,000 charms oh there are 10,000 charms And then in the book of common prayer had some marvelous prayers in it I read this prayer Most merciful God we confess that we have sinned against thee in thought Word, indeed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we need to humbly repent today. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in thy will, that we might walk in thy ways, To the glory of your name alone, O Lord. Amen.